Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, and welcome to the latest episode of Bibliostapes in Discussion. Today, I've got the great pleasure of being joined by photographer Matt Parker. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Ewan. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. It's Sunday, Sunday morning. morning. Um, it's supposed to be quite dry and quite nice today, so um, that'll make a pleasant change from all the rain. And yourself, you keeping well? Yeah, very well, thank you. Looking forward to uh, getting interesting later on. And uh, yes, just very honoured to be here. It feels very strange being on a podcast that I've admired so much. So uh, thank you for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. Delighted that uh, you you were brave enough to join me and uh, discuss about your work. <laughs> but as I say before, there's nothing there's nothing to worry about. It's a it's a friendly discussion. So for those of you who don't know Matt, he recently brought out a Zine One Point Four Miles um, Silhouette and Shadow. But before we talk about that, Matt, it would be great if you could give everyone an introduction to to your photography and your work background. Right. Well. Um... My photography, I guess, is um, a life of two halves. And um, it started off, I did a great photographic background when I was very young, but uh, yeah, we had the family camera, the 126 format that we took on holiday and carefully rationed out the shots. <laughs> um, but then I got a little bit more into it and I got a SLR for my 18th day um, and started playing around a bit more very much as an amateur. And then I went to university and joined the university newspaper. And I discovered there that they needed photographers and even better, they needed photographers to photograph all the gigs that were happening at the university. So I got a press pass. I got to be in the front pit for loads of good bands and loads of really bad bands as well. Um, learn my black and white photography. Um, I got my film for free as well. So it's great. Um, and then one day they said, well, if you these photographs, you've got to develop them as well. So I got a crash course in darkroom photography. Um, as well um, and just love doing my, doing my own work um, started off I was studying in Cardiff and I, I tried to make Cardiff look as, as American as possible um, probably influenced by a mixture of Anton Corbin and uh, Don McCullen so slightly stretched photos, but they drove me forward um, and I was loving doing it you know thought about photography so I probably end up hating photography but was still passionate about it and then a couple of years later I stopped doing photography um, and the reason for that was I got really fed up of just seeing everything through a camera lens yeah and I think at the time yeah, I was trying to make everything I saw into a picture and it stopped me enjoying it for what it was yes so there was a long gap then uh, and then you know quite a few years later my wife and I very much into walking in the mountains and we uh, thought actually it'd be quite nice to have a camera that you know so that we could record what we saw out there yeah um, so I remember going into the camera shop buying a digital camera um, and the main feature we had to have which is quite hard to find was one that took normal batteries because we weren't always sure we were going to be where we could recharge the camera um, so I uh, did that um, then got a better camera and I just yeah, sometimes when I was out with friends and maybe waiting for them to come up the hill after me, I'd uh, mess about a bit of the camera and see what I could do and really started enjoying it again. And then realized that actually, maybe there was more than just mountains to take pictures of. And it started expanding and I got into using my iPhone for photography and I took courses on that. Um, and then we had lockdown and I had a bit more time to kind of think about photography as well. And that's when I started to work more in projects and I started to think more about bodies of work and not just taking individual pictures but doing something uh, which did a bit more and I guess that's kind of led me to where I am today. 
Very good. Yeah, it sounds sounds a fascinating journey, and I'm sure there'll be many people who are jealous of your university access to gigs to be able to see all these fantastic brands and the not so fantastic brands as well. But it, it's interesting when how many people do take a break from photography when they're in their youth and then come back to it later on. And it sounds as though once you kind of picked up your first battery powered camera again, you became hooked and all of a sudden it's right, what's the next toy going to be that I'm going to pick up? And, and it builds and builds from there. Um, and as you see, I think the last couple of years have given everyone, a, I think, more of a focus around projects, particularly around their local area, because everyone's been focused about that. So you're going out to see the same locations over and over again, and actually you've not got the ability to vary it up as much. And, um, yeah, it's certainly seen many people who have, who have done project-based books, one of which is one of which is yours, one point four miles. So, um, obviously, it's a, it's it's based on a I think a regular walk of one point four miles from your house. But just right. keen to understand a bit more about that. Okay, so um, it came. I'm not sure it came as a result of lockdown because right. I've um, always been one for photographing where I was. So I was never one for going out and going out somewhere specifically to take pictures. Yeah, um, and. Um, I'd always done probably the majority of my photography in the second half round my home or when I was out on walks. Uh, but the 1.4 miles was just as a, as a triangle of lanes uh, near where we live. Um, and I like to try and get out every day because I work at home. So um, if I don't get out, it kind of, you feel a bit caged. Yes. So even if it's a really wet day, I'll just dash out and do that 1.4 miles. Um, and I've been, been doing this for years and I've been taking photos along it for years as well. All sorts of different photographs. Yeah. Um, yeah some, some cringingly bad ones. Now I look back <laughs> at them and some other lovely photographs in different styles. Um, yeah. And this came about more because I'd started working in bodies of work. I'd um, gone on um, Lizzie Shepard and Alex Hare's bookmaking course. And I was, I was thinking much more in terms of, bodies of work but yep. the one I was working on was actually um, involved a lot of work in Photoshop so every image after it was captured was kind of taking between an hour or two hours to come up to the final image um, yeah. so 1.4 miles was actually kind of a reaction against that that yeah. I just wanted to go out and take some simple black and white photographs um, that I could edit in Lightroom in five minutes and have something as opposed to this this image production taking so long which is nothing wrong with it taking yep. that long but I just needed to get away from that and do something completely the reverse um, so as a result of that I thought well actually I could combine that with the walk around the lanes and I started exploring and coming out with these different themes that yes. happened um, so I, I was restricted myself on what I was doing doing on it um, and then I joined uh, Rob Knight and David Noble's project course, yep. uh, which is, I think you've been on as well, but a great, great course. Thoroughly recommend it to anyone who um, hasn't been on it already. Um, and they, I, I used this then, I'd already been working on it, but I used this as the basis of my project and they helped me work on it and shape it and yep. bring it to, to life a bit more. Yeah, excellent. So, sounds great. And obviously, it's, it's a, with the walk being something you photographed for many, many years, I know that there's, there's kind of a few themes that run through the work. How did you decide on what themes were the ones that you wanted to focus on? Um, I think it came naturally. Mm -hmm. um, and I knew that what I wanted to do here was to really strip back my images and just do something so much simpler than I've been doing before. Yeah. So that in turn 
led me to um, think <clears throat> a little more about um, what the right subjects for that were. Yep. Um, and I adopted deliberately a very minimalist style of photography for it. I actually tried a whole load of different things um, as I was going round. Um, so I've been photographing walls. Um, I, I harnessed my inner Rachel Talabart and she did sirens with the waves. Yes. And I started seeing all these strange creatures in the bird poo that was on the lanes on the way round. So I tried taking a series of those and you know, seeing the images in there, but it didn't <laughs> kind of quite work. Not the same effect. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> um, and um, I, I was trying ones that had more combinations of uh, leaves and wire as well. But eventually it was these very stripped down themes that appealed to me. Um, and out of the sets that I was creating, the, the five in here were the ones that, um, that really stood out for me. Um, yeah. And I, I kind of in the structure of what I was thinking, I've been influenced by Sam Gregory's Mesozoic uh, book where I'd seen him do sets with a whole yeah. narrative through it. And it just seemed to naturally fall into that um, same pattern. Um, and it hasn't got the same narrative as, as Sam's at all, but um, yeah. it just kind of fell into that pattern. And I thought, actually, it's OK just to create six pictures along a theme and, and put five lots of six pictures together and, yeah. and make them into, into one body of work. And it was going to be six um, themes, but I just couldn't get the six ones to work. So it's kind of natural self-selection. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think, yeah, they're, they're very minimal, very clean, all about the form. Of, of the subject that you're doing because tonality wise it's, it's it works really well i really like the sets it's a sort of it's a sort of style that really appeals to me particularly the overhead cable and i just find that really quite fascinating where you've got the single upright and then various cables going off even if it's lots of cables going off at entirely different angles or just yeah. the simple one cable just th threading yeah. itself through the image and yeah as you say i, I think they all work they all work really nicely and very to hear or coherently as a set even though there's five individual sets there's a nice natural flow throughout the whole book from them thank you yeah it's um it was interesting kind of working out what did work and yeah, I, I got fascinated by the the cabling and the power poles as well um i look at pylons in a whole different way now there's there's a set near the m4 where i'm just <laughs> trying to find where I can park my car near by <laughs> risk life and limb going across a very busy dual carriageway to uh, to try and capture them and I remember just doing one of the final images in the book one day and this guy just walking by and looking up at the telegraph pole um you know because he assumed there must be something amazing up there if I was pointing my camera at it and then just looking at me with a look of utter perplexity in his face wondering what on earth I was doing pointing my camera at that so <laughs> well that, that that's it and, and until it's it's always strange when people walk past you thinking what on earth is that person shooting they stop and they look around trying to see exactly what what it is that you happen to you happen to be photographing but as you see you see you see things differently and clearly it from from your 1.4 mile walk it also shows the variety of of subject matter that you're finding on on that short distance yeah and i think that's yeah, one of the most important things about local photography um and i think lockdown as you said brought that the value of that to a, a lot of people a lot more but yeah it's just three farm lanes yeah if you just walked along them they're not that interesting yeah i love seeing the changing skies and the changing um seasons around them but yeah if you were out looking for a walk around i live in Yorkshire. if you were out looking for a walk in this area you certainly wouldn't choose those three lanes as a must 
I must yes. see part of that walk. But there's so much there when you take the time to slow down and look at it. And I think I've been lucky because I've been walking around it for years and seeing it in so many different ways and so many different lights that I was able to um, maybe get the best out of it. And because I was familiar with, with what was there as well, I had a better sense of what to go for rather than just being landed in somewhere which might be some classic scene, but you know, you suddenly go, well, where do I start from here? Yeah, absolutely. You've got, you've got the knowledge and the knowledge of the locations to know the sort of subject matter that's going to work well. You've, you've clearly been able to identify the, the, the minimal, there's enough variation in the sets for a minimal theme to work throughout it, which allows you to pull it together. And as you say, much like Sam's book, I, I think the format really works well. I think it's quite nice to have four or five or six different sets within it and, and they each are made up of five or six different images that tell their own narrative. Yeah, and I also wanted, I don't know if I consciously wanted to, to talk more about the things that most people might ignore um, and yeah, focus on the less, the less looked at um, yep. and show what can be done with them. I remember going on a photo walk in, in Bath with a group of people once and everyone was shooting these great vistas of Georgian houses and I was taking pictures of the weeds growing up between the cracks in the pavement. So I think yeah. it's the theme that's, that's been with my work for quite a while, um, yep. but I really wanted to make that stand out for this. Yep. And how, how did you find the image selection? Obviously, it's a subject matter that you've and a location that you've been shooting for many years. Was it a tricky one to select the images from? Did you have a, a large body of work? Or when you decided that you were going to start doing um, a, a book or a project in this way, did you were you out then specifically shooting for this project? So I, I shot specifically for the project, um, but initially without a great plan then yep. knowing there were going to be sets but yep. without knowing what the sets were going to be yeah so it varied according to subject it you know the, the the poles grabbed me and the um the individual seed heads grabbed me and i've kind of got you know a couple of hundred ones of <laughs> individual seed heads yep. but some worked um and some didn't and i found by the end uh, i was very conscious of wanting to have the same unifying feeling about them Yes. So, um, yeah, there were days when it was a lovely sunny day and my wife was going, come on, let's go for a walk. I'm going, yeah, but it's all sunny and there's clouds and it's, you know, I want, I want a dull cloudy day so yeah. I can bring my camera as well. Yeah. Um, because there was definitely a specific type of weather that, that was in this that, that gave a feeling to what I was doing. Um, so that kind of, once I've realised that, that helped select a lot of the images straight away because a whole load were just cut out. <laughs> Um, and it also identified towards the end of the project, there were one or two gaps. So I was going out specifically to look for an extra telegraph pole with a wire running through it. And sometimes I had an idea of what that image was going to be. And sometimes I was going out and just still experimenting more to see what would finish up the set. Yeah. And inevitably, I kind of go out and look for another telegraph pole and come back with another 50 copies of uh, images of seed heads instead. But yes, so I got attracted like that. But th there was a kind of self-selection bit and very much the tonality and the clouds drove the image selection um, quite a lot. And then the other bit was when I knew they were going to be in sets, I wanted the sets to look coherent. Yes. So there was no point in having six individual telegraph poles that looked all exactly the same or that were all on the left hand side of the image. So there, there was a certain amount of, of working out what would work together 
and, and getting rid of some images that work very well on their own, but just weren't going to work in that set. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm just I'm just looking at the the, the sets, particularly for the telegraph poles. And it is, it's like you you look at the the images in terms of the, the style of telegraph poles, but also the clouds, particularly the ones which is made up of the, the single telegraph poles. There's a lovely, well, they're all variations and they're all different, but there is a there is an element of uniformity to them in terms of locational of the telegraph poles. The, the, I suppose the, the focus, how much they're taking up in the frame, but also just the nice variations in the sky. The, they've all got some element of detail in them. And I think you need that to be able to represent that. If you've got six images that have all got exactly the same sky, then it, it, it maybe doesn't have the same appeal and, and just hold your attention quite as long as, as it does with this. So I can imagine it must have been a, yeah, once you've got down to a, a small selection, you begin to realise, well, actually, I like this image, but the sky is totally plain and therefore it would stand out against the five other images. So I need to wait for yeah. the, the right conditions. In, in some ways, uh, the image selection was quite easy because of that, because yeah. it really did cut out a lot. Uh, another thing I wanted was I was very clear that I wanted just the telegraph pole or just the seed head. So there were a lot of times, yeah, the birds love perching on the telegraph wires. And a lot of times, so a lot of images lost because I saw a straight birds on there. And there are other times when I could probably be seen shouting and swearing loudly at pigeons in the distance to go away and stop ruining my photograph. Yeah, well, that, that, that's it. It's, it's always one of these challenges. And sometimes you think you've taken the best, you, you think you've taken the right picture, you come back, you load it up, you look at it in detail and you realise in the far distance, uh, there's a blinking seagull or a pigeon or something like that that's just there. And, okay, it's easy to take it out, but you just think, well, I know I've then taken it out and I should, yeah. really should actually go back and take the picture properly. Um, but I, lo I love the seed heads as well. I, I think the, the shapes and, and the detail in them, is it, they're just really, really nice. And, again, I love the variety of the two two sets of seed heads, one where it's very, very minimal, just with a lovely tonal variation in the background. And then the second set where you've got a bit more in it. And, and again, there's there's more variation in terms of in the sky and the, and the detailing in it. Yeah. And again, those were quite deliberate choices as the image selection came out yep. that they kind of fell into these ways. And initially I was just going to do a set of seed heads and it clearly split into two as the telegraph poles did that you know, yes. there's, there's the minimal telegraph poles and the ones with huge clusters of wires in there that um kind of naturally set themselves out into intersects but um yeah i the seed heads were what kicked the whole project off yeah but, um there was something about them that appealed to me um and i was going out and photographing those but i realized if i was going to turn this into yeah, a, a bigger project then it needed to be more than just the seed heads for me. <laughs> yeah an entire an entire book of 60 60 images of seed heads is maybe is is maybe quite what quite extreme but i'm sure i'm sure someone's probably done it somewhere i'm just interested to understand so you you've got the the kind of the two mirroring sets to begin with so what was what was the idea and the premise behind the final one which focuses on the leaves and the shadows um I, Again, I, I think at the time it just felt nice visually, but now I look back, uh, you know, I'm very good at kind of taking what feels right at the time and then yep. a while later, sometimes years later, realising what drove it. Uh, but at the, at, at the end, it felt like a good way to kind of take my head out of the clouds and back down onto the ground. Yes. Um, and it made it more final. And I like the idea of the metaphor that, yeah, we see all these things that 
that are there, but eventually they all fade away and they leave a shadow and then eventually that shadow will go as well. So that was, that was a thought behind it that again, it changed the narrative and the feeling of the body a little bit that it wasn't all, it might've been, a, felt a little monotone, if that's the right word to yes. you, in terms of having everything up in the sky. Yeah, it was just nice to bring bring people down at the ends. Yes, and have a kind of not a finale, but a gentle fade away. Yeah, again, I think it works really well. Just a lovely variation patterns, the, sh the shapes and the form, but again, still the simple, um, simple monotone feel to it. And then I really like the last image with the barbed wire and the seat heads. And interested to know why, why, why did you why did you select that to finish with? And kind of what's the what's the reasoning behind? ending with it, such a bold image so there's a there's a long story behind this and you feature in it All right. <laughs> so um initially i thought the body of work was going to be the five sets of six images yeah when i was working on the, the project um both david and rob really encouraged me to have an opening and a closing image um so i did and they were images of sky yeah and I didn't, they didn't feel quite right to me. Um, and when I put the, the book together, um, I got three people to look at the work. So yeah, huge thanks both to yourself, because uh, you're very kind enough to look at it and send me some good feedback. And also to Dale Sutherland Roberts and to Ian Hill, who yep. you know, gave me useful feedback. And I'd encourage anyone who's doing a zine to get someone to read it Absolutely. and to offer feedback, because they all gave me lots of, really useful feedback which you know elevated elevated the quality of what I was putting out hugely yeah um and I was Dale Dale I asked Dale specifically do these images work and in and we had a long discussion without any conclusion and, and Dale said we'll try it without and I did and it needed images but then you also said in your one but these images just I don't see how they fit into the theme so then I went back and looked at um, both the first image and the, the last image. And I, I realised the book needed them, but I, they needed to be the right images. And actually, um, that um, that love final image is one that uh, I... It was part of a set that failed. So, right. um, yep. and I couldn't get the right images. I was trying to experiment with a mixture of barbed wire and, um, and foliage. And I couldn't get the right set together that felt right um, yes. within the book. So I abandoned it. But then I realised at the end that that was actually quite a nice, maybe yep. another metaphor, that we'd have the shadows, that also they're getting tangled up in man-made objects that potentially could be quite harmful, but equally they live in a kind of strange harmony together. So I thought maybe putting that in would be a, an interesting way yes. to let people think about it if they wanted to see things in that way. Yeah, I I, th I think it's a lovely image, and I, I remember seeing the. Remember when you sent me through your draft, and I had a look, and there was was it purely just of the sky? Was it's it maybe, right. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it was pure. It was purely just of the sky, and it, yeah, I remember thinking it's yeah, they were nice images, but they bared no connection at all to to the rest of the work. Whereas this yeah. image with the barbed wire through it, it does it does, and it, it's I think it's really nice. I think it's a really bold image. It, it kind of. Uh, yeah, it makes you think about it very differently um, in terms of the whole the whole context, and and it fits in and it works it works within the set. So it's it's nice to see it's nice to see that you've retained that that end image. But uh, but yeah, I think it's just it's just a bit more coherent uh, 
with, with with the work. But as you say, it it just shows the the value of uh, getting people other people with a fresh pair of eyes to take a look at your work because they'll see things differently that you 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 won't necessarily see because you've become so wrapped up in what work you're doing and, and actually how you, how you want to present it and it can just be such simple things such as switching images around you maybe don't quite see tonal differences between the images that maybe they work well for you but actually for for someone who's looking at it for the first time it kind of just catches their eye more than than you would perhaps want I remember you helping me with the sequencing as well because I think I got very fixed that I'd sequence the the sets of six as a as a panel yes uh, and I was I was very happy with that sequencing and I felt I had to follow that sequencing through, through. mechanically in the following um, sets of each pair of images yeah uh, and you got me away from that which is again a very useful bit of feedback um, yeah that I it's it's just good to people to challenge. Yeah. What thinking of doing um yeah and i got feedback that really changed things and other bits of feedback where i thought I, yeah that I, I completely see what someone's saying yes. but it didn't sit quite right so yeah. it's, just, it's just balancing up what you're getting from people as well yeah. you know. absolutely at the end of the day it's your it's your body of work so you've got to present it as you want to be seen and and it's just other people's opinions and um you you've always got to take the view that well actually my I, I still like the way it is and yes I can I can understand what someone's saying but uh, but no this is the, the way I've presented it is the way that it should be done because it might be done, you might have presented in such a way for entirely different reasons that someone else looking at it 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 it, it doesn't connect with but uh, but no it's a lovely body of work and it's 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 great just to see see it all come together and for me. Um, when I'm given an opportunity to look through draft bodies of work that people put together and then to see how they've maybe implemented certain things or not implemented certain things to see the finished body of work, it's always really very nice and really refreshing just to, just to see it come to life. It is. And I've, um, I've also uh, been lucky enough to be the reader for someone else's uh, yep. forthcoming zine now as well. And that's... Uh, it, it's it's a really interesting experience to see something whilst it's still in its creation period and yeah. um, you know it, it's quite a an in not just an interesting but quite a um, a weighty uh, duty to have because you want to be able to give feedback that's useful while still understanding what that person's doing with their work as well yeah I, I, absolutely the, there's yeah i'm always very conscious that uh, i I think when I when I provide it as as you know um, I do a, I do a recording of it effectively um, so that uh, I find it easier to provide comments by 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 doing it than doing it that way than having to sit and write comments out and I think I always open by saying these are just my opinions and yeah please no, I remember you saying that because because it is it's, it's just one person's opinion but it's it's great to see some it's great to see. Um, how how well your body of work has come together, and I'm interested to know. Do you think there's other projects focusing on the three lanes, maybe different types? Yes, absolutely. So first of all, um, I think it's worth saying that um, the zine itself isn't just the only output that I have from it. Yep. Um, so um, 1.4 miles has also got its own website, um, yep. and it's also got a video. Um, and um, in the book, I, I wanted to make the book multimedia so I, I put a QR code at the back of the book that you can scan um, and it yep. takes you straight through to the, the video of the site uh, the video of the of the project yep. um, 
So, and I've also done a handmade book out of it as well, which is a Japanese stab bound one with just the sets. I haven't done the whole, um, yeah. uh, I didn't feel it needed that. So each iteration of the project had its own different output and its own different sequencing and selection of images. Yeah. So that made it really interesting. But um, yeah, I, I want to do volume two. Volume two is going to be in colour. All right, um, very good. It's going to be some flash in there. It's come to a, a very abrupt halt at the moment because they've just gone around and um, trimmed all the hedges and the lanes. <laughs> so everything I want to take has been cut away. So I've got to yes. wait for a, a few months for it to grow back again. Um, but I've I've kind of got I've got a folder of work about it, um, and it's this is probably a good chance for me to pause and think about how the sets might go. Yeah, uh, but it will be in the same format. I actually designed the cover and uh, the specifications of the book that if I wanted to do future volumes, it would yes. take work that was maybe slightly different from black and white. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so well, a question I was asked was, why didn't you use uncoated paper for the black and white, um, which would have, I think, been very nice for it. Yes. But I deliberately wanted to use a silk so that it would take colour because an yeah. uncoated paper will just dull colour yes. work down so much that I didn't yep. want to use that. So um that was one one thinking in uh absolutely yeah it's well it's it's good it's good it's good to hear people thinking ahead in terms of particularly now as 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 books these size of formats book zines i know there's been whole discussions we've had discussions about it but it's it's good to see people actually thinking ahead in terms of saying well actually i want to bring i want to publish my work in book format i might do three or four projects however many so it gives you a consistent feel to the product that you're doing and as you say yes you could maybe have selected other other paper types for black and white but it means when you then do your color work or future work you've got a consistent a consistent feel to to the products that you're releasing absolutely and and the cover design um i borrowed shamelessly from adm's collated observation series yes. <laughs> uh, but the, there's a black wraparound uh, which i have for two reasons was one i wasn't sure if i had a different spine as it was quite a narrow yeah, yeah. book yes i wasn't sure it would uh yeah if if something was just a fraction of a millimeter off it would look wrong so i thought yes. wraparound would work well but i also thought i could just do exactly what ADM do and yeah volume two will have a slightly different kind of color <laughs> so um yeah I want to give them a full acknowledgement of their yes. design inspiration for me at that point yeah um, but we um, know that, that that's good it's interesting that uh, you're already thinking about the next publication and, and how it will flow and and how and how it might work in terms of image sets inside and and, and it, give, it gives you ideas and you, you'll be able to take the the learning from from this one and, and build it forward into into the next one and in terms of how you, how you might make adjustments and tweaks well i've got another i think i've got about four book projects wrapping around in my head at right. the moment. um so uh, they won't all take the same format as this yes um and there's a couple and they're very early stages in the projects but um, I've always admired the way Guy Dickinson does his books, yeah. his books and maps and cards. And I'm kind of thinking that there's a couple of projects there that might be, I'd like to kind of push the book format in some way. And I just need to yep. spend a bit of time thinking about how I do that and what that means for the project and, and the actual um, format of the, of the output. Yes. Um, but I'd like to try and, and change it slightly, but I've just, I've got to work out how at the moment. Yeah, well, that that's it. But there's all there's always plenty of time, and as with every every project you do, 
you 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 develop your skills and you see different ideas and as 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 other people push their own projects as well those produce ideas but yeah I, I know what you mean with guys work it's it's really very intricate some lovely combinations of just the big fold out prints and and maps and small booklets and sets of booklets all put together that just give different ways and and keep the variety as opposed to it just being the same same format every time at the end of the day it's 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 not like we we are adm or another place press producing mass for different people so actually a nice variation sometimes just keeps things fresh and, and interesting for people who are maybe looking to collect your work yeah and and for me producing it as well yeah um, yeah i'm always someone who uh is, is only happy when they're when they're changing things so <laughs> I, I wouldn't be able to put all my work into a 1.4 miles um format um yes. you know i i get bored of that but and, and equally the the fact that you have those those sets of images and you know um, five sets of images um i've really enjoyed doing it but i wouldn't want to do that for each of my projects yeah absolutely it becomes a, it becomes a wee bit repetitive and you begin i think it becomes much like anything else it becomes stale and and i think you begin to lose the, the edge whereas actually there's something really quite nice and and challenging about trying something different each and every time that works best for that project it's yeah um, there's one thing i'm looking at at the moment and i'm trying to get my head around the best way to present it in a handmade book type format and i'm just trying to work out what works best for the images because i know how the images should be presented i know how yeah. they want them to be presented but it's right how do i then put that into physical form and um, but again that's that's something that will maybe be ready in about three years time but you never know <laughs> maybe, maybe i'll be maybe i'll be a bit sooner if i get my act together and find some time but uh, and and how how did you find the design of the process and and the printing aspect of it as well so the design bit was probably the hardest bit because right. I'm not a natural designer yeah. um, and I didn't want to make it a project where I was bringing in a designer. Absolutely, know, yeah. Just for what I was doing. I, I didn't think that, you know, a, a small zine yeah. merited that. So um, I, I got Affinity Publisher um, yeah. in, in the Black Friday sale or whenever it was. Yes. Um, found that very easy to use, but it's still very easy to come out with, um, you know, a, a book that's got all the right technical aspects but looks looks wrong um yes. so i it was a mixture of um plagiarizing other people's designs yes um and then uh, deliberately keeping it simple because the less that was on there the less i had to mess up absolutely and, um then taking feedback from readers in terms of you know how it looked when they first saw it and yep. yeah i definitely made changes as a result of that um yeah you know the typography did change um i knew i wanted to, it to be a sans serif yes all the way through i felt that um suited the minimalism of the images um and i knew i wanted to just keep things as simple uh, as, as minimal and simple as possible and yeah. i think that worked to my advantage um yeah. and then the cover bit having having i looked at a lot of covers to see kind of what worked for me and just the adm collated observations ones just sprang out to me um yeah and i tweaked what they did a bit um yeah different aspects to how i approached it to what they did but um yeah i was i was happy with the, the design at the end because i yep. do feel that yeah there are scenes that come out with excellent photographic work that can be let down by the design sometimes um, yeah and then the printing um i went with mick sam as so many people do um my key motivation for that or the specification um Again, I talked to people who produced scenes, yes. what they produced on, and uh, deliberately went for a heavier paper as it's a relatively small pagination. I wanted it to feel 
good. I wanted yes. people to not feel that they've just got a stapled Thing. you know few sheets yep. of paper i want them to feel they got something really nice that they wanted to put on their bookshelf so that's why i chose the soft touch lamination and the, the heavier yep. paperweights um and then i went with mixam um and my primary uh motivation for doing that because they weren't actually the cheapest out there yeah um was the fact that i could get a proof yes um and i it's the first time doing this i wasn't quite sure if i'd done everything correct on the pdfs and I just, yep. just wanted to get that proof first. And um, for from them, I think for four pound eighty, you can get um, yep. sixteen page A five. Um, so I just mocked together some different pages, and I think I had all the sets of six on there and a few other yes. uh, ones just to see how they all looked. Um, and it took ages to get the proof back, but it, when they arrived, it looked really, really good. I was yeah, I was really relieved. I think that I was more nervous about that bit than I was about receiving the book, the final book. Yes, because um it, it, by the time i got the book i'd seen the proof so i had some yeah, confidence yeah. it was going to look right and if it was horribly wrong at that point i also had the proof to go actually this, this is what came, yeah. yeah yeah same yeah. same pdfs yeah yeah so can you go back and and, and reprint that yeah. which i didn't have to they they look really good um, yeah it's always it, that's always great it's always great to hear and i can imagine yeah it's the nervous part of you know what it should look like what's it going to look like and yeah particularly when you're sending something away it's out with your control printing's a whole different ball game that most of us aren't particularly familiar with certainly not the technical aspects of it and and yet it's when you're when you're not working when you're working with a local printer it's maybe different you've got more control and more yeah. you can have closer discussions with them but uh, but no I, th I think it's 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 worked really well that the, the tonal range presents pre presents really well in the book and I, i'm assuming that you'll probably certainly look to use and work with mixam going forward for for other projects where appropriate uh, yes, but I'm also talking to some other prints. I'm doing some experiments with foiling at the moment. All um, right. I have a few um, a few ideas for some abstract images that cool. might feature foil, but um, apparently I'm pushing the boundaries. Um, so whether they work or not, I don't know. But yeah, yeah. I certainly for, for doing a zine like this, I'd be really happy to work with, with Mixam again. They, they, did a yeah. good, they did a good job. Excellent stuff. Well, I look forward to seeing what your, what your, your, your colour book once the hedges roll back. Um, <laughs> but always, always interested. And it's always good to hear what other books, what, what your favourite photo books are from your own bookshelf. So it'd be great if you could share four or five of your favourite photo books from okay. your own collection. So what I did for this, because uh, everyone quite correctly says what a massive task this is. Yeah. So um, as I do some, some in my photography, I set myself some um, some boundaries. So what I've tried to do, I could have. Yeah, there's so many photographers I admire and there's so many books that um, that I've bought because of listening to the podcast or because you put them on the newsletter. Yeah. Um, so what I thought I'd do is I try and avoid and I've probably failed dismally, but I try and avoid saying anything that's been mentioned right. on your podcast so far I, I i'm not sure i've listened to every single one of yours so i may i may not get this right but yeah i could have done simon ashmore valder bailey um, yep. yeah there's so many um guy dickinson i've already mentioned there's so many wonderful photographers out there yes. um who have been mentioned quite a few times yeah so um for that reason that's made my choice a lot easier because very good there's not that many books that you've actually haven't featured so far I don't right think. okay there we go yeah. <laughs> anyway i'm going to start uh with um an adm publishing book called good night wuhan by matt j neil yep 
Um, and I think this one is out of print uh, now. I think um, they've sold the last ones. So um, it's also I'm able to save people's um, uh, save people's wallets just a little bit. Um, but this was photographs taken at night of Wuhan um, before the pandemic. So yeah. the pandemic, yeah, we all know we all know the the Wuhan <laughs> story. But this has got nothing to do with it. Um, but I love it because it's it's full of gorgeous color color images of Wuhan at night and it's a mix of uh the kind of street corners there's um some photos taken from up above which are very much more aerial shots of just the whole city at night yep contrasted with street photography and portraits of individuals as well um and it to me it really comes together really well to show you know kind of three different aspects of the place um and what really struck me is how everyone is connected into their devices more than human to human uh yeah there's very few shots that have more than one human in there and when you do it's very rare to see people interacting with each other um, which is maybe a bit of a comment on our society today yeah um but it's it's got some some wonderful shots in it and just sticks with me so um yeah i was really glad to have discovered that um Number two, yes. ADM, actually. Um, so we talked about their collated observations, yep. um, which is a series I'm a big fan of. Um, I don't do all of them by any means, but I think there's some really interesting um, collections Projects. out there. Yeah. Uh, the one I've chosen is by Beverly Bingham, and it's called Isolated. Uh, okay. Collated Observations 19, and I believe this one is still available. Um, but it's uh, Beverly did a project of when she was living in isolation in Cardiff. Um, and it really resonated with me, um, partly because I used to live in Cardiff, so it brings back a few memories. Yes. Um, but also there's just this wonderful sense of anonymity throughout it, even though there's some oh. portraits in there um, of just someone living in um, what maybe a rented house. Um, I don't know, but it's it you don't feel a great sense of a lived in atmosphere in there. Um, and it must be almost kind of how it was when I was living on the terraces of Cardiff. You, you often wonder, well, I wonder who's in that house over there and you don't yes. really know them. And that sense comes through along with just the ordinariness of day-to-day life. Yeah, of her and her phone and eating chips and dyeing her hair. Um, and then just the views out the window as well. Um, and, and, you know, pictures of what looks like some, some empty rooms in the house as well. Um, so, yeah, a great yeah. body of work. That, for me, that that is isolation kind of in a nutshell for so many people. I think she's captured yeah. it wonderfully. One, one, um, one. I have another isolation one as well. Um, when I bought this, I think there were two left after I bought this. So, uh, again, it may not be available. Uh, it's called This is Fragile. Okay. Uh, and it's by Ruth Story. Um, and it's a very uh, small zine full of absolutely very moving Polaroids oh, lovely. with some words about how she's feeling about her partner as well, um, particularly because a lot of the time um, I think they're apart during um, during lockdown. Uh, but um, I just think the, the combination of words and, and images is so powerful. Um, so it's yeah very very Love well that. done zine um it was i was a lucky chance on twitter that i 
that I saw this oh. and, and found it. Yeah. Um, and um, then following on from that, while we're combining words and images, um, I'm going to suggest Sea Pictures by Mary Francis. Okay. Uh, and Mary, this one is, is available and it is through Pentaract Press. Right. Um, and, and it's still available. Um, and what Mary's done is she's captured for huge close ups, um, I think normally Lovely. of gravestones. Um, right. Cool. And she's, uh, she's done close ups of the details of all the moss and the cracks on the gravestones and uh, turned them into landscapes. And right. it's just amazing how landscaping uh, they are. Yeah, it's old stones found in church walls and graveyards. Um, yeah, they, they really do turn into landscapes, very painterly landscapes. Great. Um, very, very powerful indeed. And she's mixed these with words from Moby Dick and the Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. Huh. And it turns into um, an amazing story. Um, just a whole um, selection of, um, of lines that turn yeah. into their own way that um, is amazingly powerful. Lovely. So, um, again, yes, uh, just a, a, a small body of work. It's yeah. only, um, well, I've got a page count here, but it feels like it's, I don't know, 40, 48 pages, something, yeah, like, something that. like that. Yeah, um, cool. But I'm, I'm actually very drawn to these, but all of the ones I'm recommending have got a lower page count. Yes. Um, and I feel sometimes that. Um, a smaller body of work can be powerful because it's so concentrated. Absolutely, um, yeah. And yeah. Occasionally you can come across a, a huge body of work and it feels a little bit diluted because there's so much of it. Or maybe yeah. it's just my brain kind of flits and... Um, no, I, I, I think there's definitely some value in there. I, if you've got a large, large body of work to maintain the same momentum and, and the same power and movement through it is it's it's challenging whereas if you've got something that's a, a relatively low image count um i think you've got more control or ability to keep to keep the same momentum through it yeah i i agree you know I, i'm not sure that yeah 1.4 miles would have kept up if i turned it into a 400 page book um yeah <laughs> people would have got a bit bored of it by the end yeah. um <laughs> but um so my final um selection is aspen by adam gibbs yeah, um, it's a cozy book, um, and I think this one's still available as well. Um, and it's a selection of images. So he went up to um, the Canadian Rockies, and the trip that he planned couldn't go ahead uh, because of the weather. Um, so they went to Banff National Park to Abraham Lake, and it's just a wonderful body of work of beautiful pictures of trees and leaves and water. Yes, um, and the way. colours are just stunning in it. I mean, it's just so different to the sort of work I normally enjoy. That yep. I think that's possibly why it stood out to me. Um, but for me, the colour palettes are absolutely wonderful. Yeah, in what beautiful. Done. Um, the, yeah, it's it's a lovely thing to look through and enjoy the the colours and the shapes and the forms. And I almost think, I mean, you've, yeah, Bibliothecs yeah. has introduced me to uh, a lot more Japanese work, but I think there's something faintly japanese in here as well and yeah yeah it's, it's absolutely it's together. um and it's very yeah i find it a very mindful book it oh, was it was actually i saw someone do a quick video of it and i thought oh, i'm doing a cozy book order i might as well chuck this one in as well as yeah. a postage for it yeah um it was my favorite one out of the order i think so, yes um, yeah it looks a lovely uh, body of work yeah. 
very well. So that's my five. And yes. you did say that I could have a wild card. Yeah. So uh, my wild card is not a photo book. It's yep. a novel. Right. And it's called um, Sweet Caress, The Life and Times of Amory Clay by William Boyd. Right. Um, and um, I couldn't find my copy this morning before we uh, started this, but it's a, it's a relatively thick novel and it's all about um, a fiction, the life of a fictional photographer called Amory Clay, who's a female photographer. Um, and um, it starts off as to how she falls almost accidentally into photography and yeah, most of her life, not all of it, is, is bound by various photographic episodes. Um, and she's a photographer in World War II and in the Vietnam War oh, great. Um, and in other areas as well. But the reason I wanted to throw this one in as well is it's also got 75 images in there. Right. And uh, Boyd had the story in his mind um, and he said that he's was trying to create fiction that was as realistic as possible. Um, and he felt that the photography added to this and the images are all found photographs. So they're all uh, images that he's come across by chance. Um, he's yep. a collector of these. He said, yeah, he once got, um, I think 200, was it, uh, 200 images from a house that's been cleared in Chicago on eBay for some small amount. So they're all unattributed photographers, yep. um, but he's used them to illustrate the fiction that he's writing Brilliant. and he said that as he made the choice of images that also influenced the plot line some or the, yep. the, the details and the storyline sometimes as well um and the whole um uh the main character of Amory Clay was actually inspired by looking at a found image to begin with um of a, a just a girl in a in a pool striking a an architectural pose he said he's lost that image now. I can't find it anywhere. But it's, um, <laughs> but yeah. So if, if you like reading as opposed to to looking at, um, yeah, I I'd, um, strongly recommend the book. And if you're interested in how he feels about putting imagery and words together, um, if you Google, there's a there was an article in the Telegraph uh, which is online, uh, which, which specifically goes into his photographic collection right. and how it influenced the novel as well. Fantastic. That's it. Yeah, it sounds something a wee bit different. I'll let you have that wild card. It's a Thank good, you. <laughs> good shout. And yeah, great select a great selection of books and uh, nice, nice to see a variety, a variety of books and also something that's not necessarily a huge big uh, coffee table book because it just shows how powerful um, and how appreciative we can all be of something that's smaller. It doesn't need to have 120 images. Uh, it can have a dozen images and still have the same story. It's just it's just a different tactile experience that we have so um on that note it's it's been a pleasure uh, speaking to you this morning matt thank you very much for your time it was great to hear uh, more about 1.4 miles and also your, your general bookmaking and and future projects that you're working on well thank you for having me you and i've really enjoyed the conversation and a big thank you for running biblioscapes and for all that you do for the photographic book community because mm -hmm. um, you know I've, I've gained a lot from it and i know many others have as well so thank you no problem. My pleasure. Cheers. Thanks very much, Matt. Thank you. Bye.